to the Government Transformation Show, the podcast for public sector changemakers. I'm Sam Birchall, Senior Reporter at Government Transformation Magazine, and today I'm joined by Rich Buckley, VP at CGI, and we're talking about what's next for data interoperability in government. So this conversation touches on some of the themes and discussions Rich heard at our Government Data Summit, where CGI hosted roundtable discussions on data interoperability and integration, particularly around best practices and what tools are currently being used to facilitate this. In this episode, there's lots of food for thought in baking in data quality, assurance, automation, governance and culture, and we get some hints at what the future of data integration might look like in government. All that to come, so let's jump straight in. Hi Rich, welcome to the Government Transformation Show. How are you doing today? I'm great, thanks. I'm uh, enjoying the the hot weather that we've got at the moment. Makes a nice change, doesn't it? It does indeed, yeah. <laughs> Great stuff. So we are talking today about data interoperability, and I know this is a topic that is very close to your heart, and uh, you and your CGI colleagues hosted a roundtable on this at our Government Data Summit in May. So really keen to pick your brain on where you're seeing this with regards to kind of best practices, biggest opportunities, and, and where you think better data integration will kind of take government next. Um, but before we dive into all that good stuff, Rich, could you talk me through kind of where you are approaching this topic from so what is it that you do at CGI and and where's your kind of area of expertise in this? Yeah sure May seems like a long time ago now but it uh, it wasn't that long ago really but um, yes so by way of introduction my role at CGI involves uh, quite a bit of uh, CTO advisory duties for our central government clients and this is mainly around the uh, work of digital transformation that we do with our clients Um, so CGI gets to see this uh, helicopter view across all the uh, government departments and we can facilitate and ensure that knowledge transfer and technology gets reused across those uh, those departments and those programs of work. So uh, we can um, enable that, that data, that knowledge to be shared, uh, bearing in mind the confidentiality boundaries that uh, you'd have on a, on a project uh, normally, but I think it's really good to see that good practices applied everywhere. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I'm keen to kind of, I guess, get started by getting a quick lay of the land from you. So sort of looking at the last 12 months, there are signs that data inter- interoperability is really moving up the agenda and I think certainly from my experience at the summit there was definitely a buzz around the opportunities we're witnessing to not just sort of swap data between organizations but also to share knowledge ideas and 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 kind of best use cases and so I think for the first time perhaps strategic successful data operability really feels like very much within um, government's grasp. Do you agree do you get a sense that there is now wider appreciation of the benefits of of cross-government data integration and, and kind of what kind of progress are you seeing in that throughout different government departments? I think it's true that there's more awareness, whether it's actually happening, the coalface is a different matter, but there's sort of embryonic steps to it. Data interchange can take many forms. Uh, we've got very heritage systems that uh, where data interchange could be as primitive as a PDF being sent on an email. And you could probably think about why that was put in place back in the day when it was done. It was probably a manual process. Somebody attached what they had available at the time and they forwarded it onto another department. And we've automated the, uh, the approach that's done. So it's now a computer that's taking that PDF and attaching it to an email and passing it on. That's a very manual process uh, that's just been automated. That's not what I would call true data interoperability. I think for true data operability, you have to be using uh, modern data expressions, uh, self-describing data, uh, APIs, those types of things. But it's a a, a very wide and vast topic. And one of the great things about this summit was that it it opened my eyes to sort of the the breadth of of this and uh, different perspectives on, on the problem. A lot of uh, 
people in departments are starting to talk about data operability, but it's still very early, early stage in terms of widespread adoption and, and knowledge, or even knowledge about what good looks like. Mm -hmm. I think everybody says, yes, we need to do more of it. It's really important, but to not quite sure about what that good looks like and how they get there. I think there's uh, ever more under uh, increasing understanding of how uh, data can power an organization, how data can be the fuel within an organization, how it can transform businesses and address some of the challenges that business uh, happens. But you need to have uh, a lot of data hygiene in that respect. So it comes with the security, the, the processing of data, the uh, curation of that data. It can't just be a, um, a pool of data that doesn't get maintained. It has to it has to live and breathe. Uh, I think from the roundtable discussions, most people we spoke to recognise that uh, government processes can be made uh, more efficient, but there's always the argument of, well, that's always how we've done it. Um, you know, it's it's why do we want to change? Why should we change it? What's in what's in it for me if we change it? And also, um, I think a lot of new in, new engagements and new transformations within government are largely under pressure to deliver the core ask without thinking about all the extra nice bells and whistles that they could add to the, the project. There's a lot of um, there's not very ap much appetite for uh, presenting new data feeds if nobody's going to be consuming them. So you would always be asked to integrate with existing data feeds, and by integrating with existing data feeds, you perpetuate the the legacy. Mm. In fact, a modern startup might open a, a set of APIs and say developers come and start using this and over time they'll be adopted. I think a government project needs to be very bold to uh, present some APIs and then hope that the developers and the other departments come and start using that because that requires work to be done on, on their side. I think the GDS, so the Government Digital Service Toolkit, is, is very good uh, and goes a large way to uh, to start uh, adopting best practice in, uh, in a common way of doing things. And I think it would be good to uh, to leverage that to cover date uh, techniques for data interoperability and data standards there's lots of ways it could uh, it could play out yeah so i think uh, to summarize that really maturity is growing and the work that the um, cddo office are, are doing to present best practices is very good and great benefit to all the departments mm -hmm. uh, i think projects need to have data operability called out as part of the requirements uh, but also the funding made available to allow those things to happen it's uh, and also staff need to have a, a common understanding of, of data literacy yeah. and it's good to see those conversations starting to happen uh, but yeah. early days <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, so I guess it's good to hear that it's definitely on the agenda. It's firmly on the agenda now, but perhaps a little bit more work's kind of needed around what we can do to take it to the next level. And as you mentioned, the sort of GDS toolkit, very, very interesting initiative that's coming. It'll hopefully give a massive boost to that and kind of raising awareness of how actually to get there um, mm. now that it is kind of on the agenda. Yeah, that, um, that goes some way to say what good might look like. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out in the next, in the next few months, few years. But um, Rich, really keen to get your thoughts on where you think the biggest opportunities for better data integration to kind of how it can really transform government delivery and public sector services so where do you think this has the most potential right where do i start on this okay uh i'm going to take two views i'm going to say the b2c and, uh, and b2 uh, and b2b mm -hmm. so if, uh, from a, a b2c um perspective so think about a consumer using government services there's an opportunity for single government accounts to take uh you to, to be used for all your government interactions mm -hmm. uh, so you, you might have the know your customer checks and uh, once that, that's been done all the departments could take advantage of that i'm thinking of like uh, estonia as a, as a good example of, of how that that does work if you change your name or your address uh you or your circumstances you you inform one authority you inform the one account and that cascades down to all the departments so uh 
I think at the moment in the UK, you have to tell every department individually of a change of address. Yeah. Uh, that could be uh, largely benefited. However, there's, there is a view that you go down this rabbit hole of a view that that could be the introduction of a national ID system by the back door and there's concerns over surveillance. So that does need to be uh, uh, to be measured. I mean, the, the solution that uh, other countries have adopted is to allow a path through digital single service uh, type uh, portals, uh, but also allow the, uh, you to still use it through other other systems as well. But you offer a very uh, optimised route through the uh, uh, the single account. Uh, so it's not the only way of doing it, but it is an optimised route. Uh, and it will probably take generations to get everybody moved over to using it as these fears are, are put to bed and uh, everyone's a bit more comfortable using it. And the digital natives uh, don't think anything of it. Yeah. So that's from the B2C perspective. Uh, from a B2B, uh, I think there's a lot of data that flows between departments uh, with varying levels of uh, sensitivity on that. There's information that the government publishes on data.gov.uk. Uh, a lot of that is reference data. It's provided uh, in structured or unstructured forms. It could just be CSV files that are downloaded or PDFs. But each one of those data sets has to have its own life cycle. It has to be uh, updated. Somebody is responsible for owning that, that data. Uh, it would be great for uh, other the government departments to rely on a, a single source of truth for that and have that maintained for them. And then they're just consumers of it. Uh, a simple example might be just looking up an address from a postcode. Uh, many government departments have their own solution for looking up a, an address from a postcode. Mm. It'd be nice to have one service, which is the master that all government departments used and you have a standard address format uh, across all, all departments, etc. The alternative is uh, all the, the projects download their own copy of that and have to maintain it and synchronize it and all, and all the work that goes on with that. Mm having a single source. I think there's opportunities for standard definitions of schema. Uh, this is uh, allowing data to be self-describing. So in the roundtable discussion, we uh, discussed how a, a person record might go around, what attributes a person has, and are they standard across departments so that you give somebody a person, another department, a person record, and they know what fields are, are in it and, and how to interpret that. So that was a good example. And I think CDDO and GDS could assist on, on that. Common schemas for, for known things, typically okay. physical things. Yeah. At the conference, we also discussed the concept of sharing data but uh, sharing the information that data provides without sharing the data itself which was a very interesting concept so if you're not needing the actual detail of the of the data but are interested in the an aggregation of that so uh, some statistical representation of the of the data a simple case might be uh, maximum minimums averages that type of stuff but you don't actually need the record by record data you could make a query onto a, onto another system and get that information back without needing the data itself so that uh, so roll up and aggregations without needing the uh, the actual data. I think that's probably uh, sort of opportunities that I see. Uh, I think a lot of it is down to projects and having the remit within projects to do yeah. some interesting. Yeah, oh, I think there's some some really interesting examples. It's it's cool to see kind of what people were thinking about at the conference and laid out quite nicely, I guess. So we you know where people are in terms of they've have the awareness. We you've laid out kind of the aims, the dream, the ambitions of where mm. people kind of want to be aiming. Curious, I guess, to know how we get from A to B. So what kind of challenges are really standing in the way? To Today. And I know during the summit, you obviously had a chance to speak to a range of different government departments and agencies on, on this. And, and what were some of the kind of common pain points that you found in this? Yeah, 
we had a good representation. We had uh, we talked about uh, energy departments, um, health departments. There was uh, researchers there from universities who who do um, interesting stuff with government data. A lot of the challenges I think we discussed were about, as I said in in the introduction, not knowing what good looks like, uh, what what is possible. People are almost happy with the the status quo because that's what they understand and and it it, it works at the moment. Um, one area we did uh, spend a bit of time considering was uh, training and uh, I pulled that out in my summary of the of the conference and having some standard training like a one day sheep dip in data literacy uh, would be beneficial at every level irrespective of grade and responsibility that might start educating people on the, the power of data and uh, what good or excellent might look like culture was uh, was mentioned many times by many departments saying the, that there's fear of change fear of uh, job losses losses if efficiencies are found all that type of stuff so I think that's a, a big uh, challenge for organizations public and private sector to, to be fair and the solution to that is bringing the business along with the with you for the journey really mm. getting them involved in the projects and seeing the benefits that that will, will bring and allowing those those people to be redeployed onto more valuable activities if you're doing a, a pure transactional job copying stuff from one place to another a machine can do that much more reliably 24 hours a day every day it doesn't take sick or, or holiday you know it's, it's a much better system and actually that's not a great job just copying data from one place to another it'd be better to be applying the, the human to doing creative thought there's a number of uh, project delivery challenges scope time budget only uh, allowed to do the, uh, the, the stuff that's strictly needed a project typically starts off with grand ambitions but when you get into the project the uh, the realities of dealing with legacy systems uh, and vague requirements uh, quickly kick in so all the, uh, the the best wishes and the nice to haves are all pushed back onto on, onto a backlog uh, so that's a, a challenge interesting uh, and associated with training and this is, might be something that training could address uh, gdpr was mentioned as a reason uh, often cited as why not to do something which is incorrect so gdpr does not stop changes in itself it just means if you're going to do a change you do it right and you do it legally uh, with all the uh, the considerations that um, gdpr brings so i think uh, training in that space would would help security was was talked about security is a key component of what cgi do and uh, we have the uh, the, the phrase um, bake it in rather than bolt it on so security is baked into our our, our services rather than bolted on afterwards i think data needs to be uh, seen in the same way so the, the work of the chief data officers, the CDOs, should be seen in the same way and they should be involved at the start of projects, not bolted on at the end as a, as a, a green light to go live or something like that. It's too late and they can't influence things, they can't steer things. So I think certainly involving the, the data officers early in the same way that we involve security earlier, early uh, now uh, as a standard. Summarising on, on the question of challenges, there's there's lots of ways to uh, to do things really. And, and to my mind, no one size fits all. Uh, every department has its own peculiar nuances and you don't really understand them, uh, those nuances until you spent time with your feet under the desk getting to know the business. That's the, uh, the crux of it really. The, a lot of these departments have systems that have been going on uh, existing and evolving for decades got decades of nuances that yeah. need to be teased out so Absolutely. every department is different and every uh, every challenge will be different but answer your question <laughs> yeah no it was a great summary great summary really but it was, it was interesting to hear I guess how much of an issue that cultural problem was so this kind of mm. fear of, of of changing the status quo with stuff was there anything kind of at the conference that stuck out to you in terms of ways of overcoming this kind of cultural challenge because 
obviously it's, it's, it seems to be kind of a sticking issue that that comes up a lot with something like this. I think clear and strong leadership would go a long way if mm-hmm. if it's embraced from the top down and cascaded well. I think it could be a motivator and a, a powerhouse. People will then feel empowered to uh, to make the right choices on their projects. I think organisation wide trading. So if a, if a leader was to stand up and, uh, and say right, this is we're serious about this stuff and we're going to evidence our seriousness by putting everybody through this training, for example, that would be a, a good clear message making sure that uh, their technology strategies embrace uh, data interoperability and data sharing uh, where appropriate mm-hmm. we've talked about uh, involving the data officers early just in the same way that security officers are engaged now think about uh, when when embarking on projects thinking about what data is consumed what data's output and how you can find alternative mechanisms for doing this that will be more efficient or unlock the power of data not just saying well we've always done it this way so we'll continue to do it this way so for example uh, can the data be provided near near real time rather than batch based do we actually need this calculation or is the, the point on aggregations and roll-ups i made earlier uh, do you need a calculation on a statistic based on the data that could be done at source so mm-hmm. instead of transferring data you're you're making a request to get the data the, the actual information you want if the data needs some uh, manual action or transformation this taking data out of an email and putting it into a spreadsheet or a data a, a, a mainframe system or something can that be automated can we use robotic process automation to mm. automate those uh, those manual tasks mm. um, on a project basis could you put proxies in place so that uh, legacy uh, interfaces are are maintained but a proxy through uh, in, in a way that you could swap it out at a later date so uh, you you isolate the application or the uh, the system from the interfaces uh, so provide a level of separation i think really uh, I, I would encourage people to be bold and ambitious uh, with what they uh, they're trying to achieve try new approaches but uh, try and keep the blast radius small yeah think big and uh, think big and start small um, and incremental improvements on that so don't try and bite off more than you can chew look for where you'll get the most gains quickest and mm. tackle those nice yeah i know some really good really good examples there of kind of improving a data handling culture um, that enables that data interoperability it's great to hear um some of those suggestions curious to dig a bit more into i guess kind of what the secret is to successful data creation <laughs> around sort of you know you mentioned a few kind of best practices is there any kind of case studies you can hold up as shining examples of good practice in data interoperability let's see what i can talk about right without um, getting anyone in trouble <laughs> i think a successful data integration would involve some of the following and this is not an exhaustive list this is just like a starting point start of a 10 so i think clear that the the data integration itself if you're doing data integration and data interoperability it needs to serve the needs of the business there's no point doing it for change's sake or for technology's sake the business needs to be better off for having done this work for putting effort into this space you need to have a better system you could measure better in in many ways but i think the change should be subservient to the needs of the business so that's thing um the right data needs to be in the right place in the right format at the right time so uh, timely data and, and i can think of an example of uh, of that that might talk about later on security needs to be baked in uh, for sure so that's uh, thinking about data in transit making sure it's encrypted and protected making sure you've got uh, non-repudiation of data that you can trust the data you've received to make sure it's authentic that type of, of thing i think that there needs to be a clear owner for the, for the data you're consuming so who's going to master and curate that data and provide the single source of truth? 
when there's problems on it, who do you go back to, to to get those problems corrected? I think a great solution would involve APIs. And uh, I, I, in my summary of the, the conference, I, I, I wrote that APIs were the solution, but not a starting point. Uh, so I think APIs uh, would need to exist on, on a system to query and retrieve data and, and provide programmatic access and various different user integration points, various different integration points uh, for a project. I, I'm going to, I'm going to say, think Goldilocks, like not too much data, not too little data data, but just the right amount of data. I think that's that's important. And I think that goes to the uh, GDPR principles as well, just enough data to serve the purpose that you're you're attempting to, to solve. And examples. I've got a couple of examples of, of what CGI is doing in, in this space. Uh, I think I'm going to choose uh, one in the healthcare space. So we did some really interesting work in healthcare regarding uh, data sharing between care authorities and other interested parties. So think here about pharmacies, uh, research establishments, NHS trusts, aftercare organisations. And uh, we're using a platform called Trusted Fabric. This allows patient records to be shared purely between uh, these institutions rather than being copied around. And the result of this is a, a very large distributed database. So there's no one single master database. Um, every authority in the um, in the ecosystem system masters their own data but overall the platform allows you to share data securely um, so each simple ways uh, thinking about it is if you imagine uh, nhs uh, trusts each masters their own data but you can share those between each other and that uh, and outside the authority and then researchers um, organizations could get aggregations and roll-ups of that type of data so if you were interested in heart conditions in a certain demographic of the population you don't in, you're not interested in the individual people's name or address or age you might be interested in regions I suppose, or uh, age. You're not interested in the details. You want the aggregations, so you could get that information out uh, yeah. securely using this uh, this mechanism. Uh, so this is uh, this is taking modern communications, modern database platforms, and technologies, and uh, distributed ledger techniques to provide a, a secure and uh, flexible solution uh, to a very very complex problem with a lot of a lot of nuances in it. And uh, interestingly, it was uh, we had a press release out today that we're using the same technology to build a, a universal virtual flight data recorder for the airline industry, which is which is amazing, amazing as a project. It's really uh, inspiring. Uh, you can imagine the stakeholders involved in that type of activity and the, the data integration points and the security and the data standards and the complexity associated with that. So I think that those two are really good examples of doing complex things well. Yeah, you almost heard it here first, but being <laughs> there first, unfortunately. That's when we publish. <laughs> But curious to know, I guess in those two um, examples that you gave, what would you say? What would you attribute to the success of that? Those projects? I think it comes down to some of the CGI core values, which are integrity and doing the uh, the right thing for the client. So the client is one of our three key stakeholders. So uh, CGI key stakeholders are clients, our members, which are our staff. We call our members staff, uh, our staff members, and our shareholders. So there are three key stakeholders: members, clients, and shareholders. Mm-hmm. We have a wealth of global skills in technology and business and consulting and we can pull on that to uh, uh, to address a particular uh, business challenge so we we do work in space we do work in energy in retail in healthcare defense all those sectors and there's a lot of crossover between those so mm-hmm. Think about the, uh, the healthcare and the aerospace industry, completely different market sectors, but using the same technology. So we do some really interesting, valuable work with with data and advanced analytics. Uh, we do earth observation uh, um, anal- analytics and uh, machine learning on uh, satellite images to detect patterns in uh, uh, seagrasses, uh, uh, one of our pro, uh, pro, pro bono 
projects. So Seagrass is one of our pro bono projects uh, where we're using satellite images to predict and uh, identify the growth of seagrass uh, communities so that they can be protected. We've got a lot of interesting stuff on our website about that. So in my experience, no one solution fits all. I think I've, I've said this before, um, but we have the global talent pool, the enthusiasm and the care for the client to be able to apply our knowledge and experience to business problems. So I think that's some of our, what can CGI to do to, to bring to these, these projects. Uh, we also have strategic alliances and partners and we're vendor neutral and uh, our ethics say that we, we would never prefer one, uh, one vendor over another. We do the, we're vendor neutral uh, in that regard. So uh, we do the right thing for the client and don't do a hard sell on a particular solution. I've got an example on, on some of that, if, uh, if that's of interest as, as well. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Always of interest. <laughs> so, uh, as a recent project we're engaged with and uh, we're off we're asked uh, sort of to one of my earlier points really about doing things differently we were asked to replicate a pre-existing annual data feed onto this new platform mm-hmm. and uh, on this system a large amount of data was received once a year and it took a long time for that data to be processed and the system stabilized after that large uh, ingest of, of new data so um we proposed, uh, CGI proposed making this a, a daily feed rather than an annual feed. Uh, the idea being that the system's updated a lot more real time. So you effectively only ever a day out and you'd also reduce the impact of that large annual event by doing a small trickle rather than a large burst of data. We engaged with the data supplier on that and they were happy to support a daily model and actually even had APIs to support that. So the final solution will end up being a, a much better system. We'll use APIs to get that data in and we haven't just repeated the uh, uh, the legacy interface that we were asked to originally. Yeah, uh, the box. yeah. <laughs> I guess that's what the kind of benefits of having your finger in a lot of different pies, I guess, given the kind of knowledge you have doing this sort of thing over kind of a multitude of different sectors kind of allows you to share what's worked what hasn't and in a lot of cases I'm sure you can kind of see a lot of similarities in, in kind of across those sectors and... yeah exactly it's usually not a case of uh, uh, have we done something it's usually where have we done it yeah yeah <laughs> you're everywhere yeah. <laughs> Great stuff. Rich, kind of before you before you leave us, keen to kind of get your your final thoughts um, thinking about the summit. I know it's been a, it's a few weeks now, but if you can think back, um, curious to get your thoughts on kind of key themes, takeaways, anything else that stood out, any lessons learned and, and perhaps any hints at where data interoperability will take government next. Right. OK, so key takeaways. I went back to I have to go back to my notes uh, that I did after the conference on, on this. So I, I think some I mentioned it a couple of times already, but some one day um, data essentials training um, activity would be really beneficial to all, all staff. It doesn't matter what grade or position or role in the company. I think everybody would benefit from that. And that would help uh, mitigate some of the uh, GDPR change stick that's, uh, that's been used. So I think that's a, a takeaway. It'd be nice for, a, for that to be standardized and you end up doing it almost a bit like uh, organizations do their uh, refresher security training. You have the refresher data awareness training and it's, uh, it's just a standard thing, really. We've talked quite a bit about it in this conversation but uh, culture is always this big barrier you have to bring along the business as part of that so the change management aspects and the, uh, the enterprise changes uh, is important that transformation uh, journey everybody needs to be involved and in, uh, with the change and not have change applied to them uh, so i think that will help with the the culture and i think having that as i said earlier the uh, the top down and be bold type uh, ambitions would be really good i think uh, data should be viewed as information and organization fuel uh, certainly a lot of 
of the uh, digital native companies understand this and have benefited hugely from knowledge of, of how data can uh, affect their organization and shape their organizations. So that's a, that's those three are a bit about the organization and the and the people side of it. Uh, onto the technology side, so I think we've we've talked about data standards uh, allow data to be self-describing. Um, my example of a person and address are, are trivial examples. There's a lot more complex ones, but allow that to be uh, to a encourage data interoperability as i said earlier apis are probably the answer but not the starting point mm. right there uh, you need to make sure that uh, they're they're serving the business um, uh, i think finally the um the point i said earlier really that the, the the data interoperability aspect needs to serve the, the needs of the business and the consumer if it doesn't serve those needs there's no point in doing it okay, some, some great takeaways there and uh, well remembered as well um <laughs> but no thank you so much for your for your time and and for your yeah for your themes that you brought out and 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 sort of taking us through that it's really interesting um but yeah thank you so yeah. much for your time no i hope that's been uh, been useful it's been very interesting to to think back about the, the, the summit and, and reflect on it so that's uh, thank you for the opportunity for to do that as well so thanks Sam. Mm-hmm.